0: Welcome to Since You Didn't Ask. I am Matthew and here with Andrew. And uh, Andrew just threw out a question as we're sitting here and recording other episodes. And um, I just said, Andrew, why don't you just ask this while we're recording and let's see where it goes. So what were you just asking, Andrew?
1: All right, here goes. Um, So I asked Matthew, what do you think about the... Potential globalization or unifying of things like government power, things like um, currency and monetary systems. Basically, the the push that there seems to be towards, um, and I, I'm not sure if globalization is the the actual right term, but unification across um, the globe of certain large scale governmental and financial things.
0: Yeah, I actually think that it's a it's a great question and if you're listening and you're already falling asleep because it feels like a technical question and things you haven't thought about, hang in there. I think that this is that there's some worthwhile things to explore in this question. But, um, as opposed to normally where we try to like, um, set all the context of a question before we ever dive into it, I'm just going to try to give an answer and then we'll unpack it. So we're going to shortcut it But I'm going to say, I want to give just three things. This is off the top of my head and maybe it'll develop more, but, um, three things that I think shape how we how we would answer that and, and even give an answer. One, Christians um, need to live in the present with clarity about our mission. Um, the Great Commission is the mission. and um, and so we are to be, Um, proclaiming the gospel and making disciples and baptizing people, and nothing should slow that down. We shouldn't become so consumed about the future that we are in any way um, distracted from the mission today. We have a mission today. Don't be distracted from that. That would be point number one. Point number two is God is sovereign. There is nothing that's going to happen with respect to global currencies, global control, global government, anything like that that is outside of the exact sovereign design and purposes and plan of God, we trust that. So one, we stay on mission. Two, we totally trust God. And three, we are not to be unaware or to be ambivalent about the clues and the signs of what's happening in the world. I think we can keep our eye on the ball, on the mission, be aware of what's happening right now, We trust the Lord totally, and as we do that so that we can be wise, so that we can act appropriately and continue on the mission, we pay attention to what the signs are in the world and respond accordingly. So that being said, I think there's plenty of reasons as we look at the signs in the world to say, yeah, there are valid reasons to be paying really close attention, to be having concerns about where... The geopolitical landscape is going, where the economic landscape globally is going and what the implications could be for Christians and to have a, a, um, awareness about that. And, and even to be thinking ahead and planning about how we would, how we navigate through those types of things without being distracted from the mission today. So that'd be my, my quick
1: answer on okay. that. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. And then from there, I guess, as you're saying, we should, we should pay attention to these things. What's your, what's your thought on those things? Yeah.
0: So I, I put it in the category of, um, I, I think we, I think it's appropriate to be wary. Um, but again, putting it back to the answers I was giving, it's appropriate to be wary and to be thinking through those things. And I'll give some reasons why here in just a second. But, um, it's appropriate to be wary, um, but trusting God and not being distracted. Um, but when we look at, um, for example, what is happening um, in China with the idea of social credits and the monitoring of every action that people take and that those actions are measured through cameras, through currency, um, you know, you're in China, you're um, you pay for um uh, services and goods um, through facial recognition technology. You don't even have to produce a credit card. They just capture your face and it's paid for. So it's all tracked. It's all monitored. And, um, they, there are cameras everywhere. Facial recognition. You're assigned a numerical number, a citizen, whatever number. And based on the things that you do, you you gain or lose social credit, which allows you access to certain things or denies you access to certain things, including restaurants, stores, airplanes, travel, um, and so, all of that is is not sci-fi future. It's actually happening right it's, now yeah, in yeah. in the largest country in the world, or the second largest country in the world. And um, and so, it's very, very real in that it exists in our world. And to to foresee a scenario where that could potentially affect us in certain ways, it's hard to imagine with our culture and where we're at. But that 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 type of thing could happen to where then our ability to fulfill that mission Mm -hmm. could be limited in some way because you lose social credits for going to church or doing certain actions that god would um, command us to do and then that limits our ability to function in society um we could go there some people would argue that that's the nature of like even like from a vaccine level that it's if you get a vaccine that, I mean, if you don't get a vaccine, then you're limited on what you can do. Um, I would not put that into the same category of these types of things, but we we have to have an approach. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. But they could, it could be, Uh, we need to be aware that, that there are things in the world that are cause for legitimate
1: concern in that regard. Is there anything inherently sinful in, uh, in the unifying of, governments and
0: um i wasn't expecting you to ask that um inherently well, sinful i think
1: i guess the thing i'm driving at is there's a lot of christians that are super wary of it because it's like once everything comes becomes one then the antichrist right. is going to come right. and you right. know i it gets there's an eschatological questions. component yeah, yeah. to yeah, it yeah. and and that, that's why i that was the only
0: reason i paused was because depending on your views of eschatology it right. would affect that answer and i don't know that I want to totally go into that, okay. but I would say inherently sinful, it's inherently dangerous. Um, so nations and governments are ultimately derived from sin to begin with. The Tower of Babel,
1: God separated the people. Are you going to disagree with this? We had a podcast where you said that nations and governments are okay.
0: Yes yeah okay. okay yeah so sorry okay no I think that's, I, I'm i glad you brought that out so I can say two things yeah um, and and more and more um, Genesis 50 is so important in so many different ways
1: <laughs> I what love you, hearing you say that
0: what you what Joseph says to his brothers what you intended for evil the exact same action God intended for good so we can apply that in many, many different ways, but in this case, very clearly languages were created, multiple different languages created because of man's sin at the Tower of Babel and God separated people. And that separation by languages led to separation in in countries and nations and, and, and people groups and, and all of that flowed from sin in that way. That was evil, sin is evil, and it led to a separation of groups. That being said, god then came and and said now based on this circumstance he defined the borders of israel and established a people group by a spe- as a specific nation and so um i i can say that in that context it still is is god ordained that there are our nations um even if the origination was out of sin so I would just going going back to that, I would say, nations originated out of out of um, originally because of sin, then God out of that ordained how nations are to function and separate and and even the separation of Israel and and other nations. And so there is a sense in which we say, okay, if we put it all back together, then that could be going back to pre Tower of Babel, and it could all be good, except for the fact that the sin that brought that about still exists. Right. right. And so, when you if, you if you were to put it all back under one world government, um, I I think the ultimate consequence is it's too much centralized power in sin. It's Babel. And 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 that's and, and, and we go or right Babel back. On. Yes. Yes. And we yeah. go right back to to that yeah. scenario. So, yeah. so yeah, I think there are things to be wary about. Uh. One other, just interesting, like statistical or, or historical fact that relates to all of this, uh, I recently read. If you were to go back to the year 1750 and you could airlift somebody through time travel from 1750 to today, um, I was reading an article, somebody was making the case that that person from 1750 might actually die from being overwhelmed by how different the world is today. It could just be like, if you think about not just phones, but cell phones and computers and high rise buildings and, Automobiles. and cars and planes and space travel and um, television. And I mean, it would be from somebody from 1750 to, to come into today's world, It would it could break their brains. Hmm. Now, Here's what, the, what the, the part that could break our brains. What would it take to bring somebody into 1750 to have that same experience? So from 1750 today, to today is a little over 250 years. If you brought somebody from 1500 into 1750, they no would problems. notice some differences, <laughs> but not a really big deal. Um, so the article that I was reading made the case that to have the same impact In 1750, you'd have to bring in somebody from like 4000 BC to get to that level of 1750 that would be the same as from 1750 to today. So we're talking thousands and thousands of years to get that same impact. And then that same impact then would happen in 250 years. Here's the point. From 1750 to today, the, the change in the world it it, it's happening at an exponentially faster and faster rate and 50 years from now may be the same difference as 1750 to today um i'm making up the number 50 but it's a much much it's Mm -hmm. x it's not linear it's much shorter period than 250 years to have that same development in the world the point is that we are on a very very steep exponential Um, part of the curve of human history of how things change how technology affects that's the technology becomes building blocks for faster and faster changes and all of that to say is that when you ask this question like the the way the world is today is going to be so so different just 50 years from now that um the, the possibilities of what that could mean from a currency standpoint, from a government standpoint, yeah. um, it can be very, very different. And so as Christians, we need to live with an awareness towards that the ever-increasing pace of change in our world and ha- and have that awareness, be totally committed to today and even have a greater urgency for the mission today with a recognition that in some ways, Things are going to get easier. The gospel can spread further now because of the internet and because of technology and so forth. And so, recognizing opportunities as they come up to fulfill that mission, but also recognizing the threats and the challenges that are going to be inherent that come along with that at the same time, and just paying attention so that we can be um, that we can be wise and 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 work through those things in ways that are going to honor the Lord and totally, totally trust Him.
1: Wow, that's really interesting to think about. Um. Thanks, Matthew. And we hope you all uh, enjoyed this episode and we'll catch you next time.